Hi, everybody. Albert is with us today. When Albert thinks about the sacrifices his Dominican parents made for each other and for their whole family, you know, moving to the U.S., starting over, setting up a beautiful life for all the kids, he sometimes thinks that maybe they missed out on many life experiences. And now that they're retired, Albert is eager to help them make up for lost time. But is he right? Did they actually miss out on anything? Let's get into it. My name is Albert Garcia. I'm a first-generation uh, Dominican-American born and raised in Washington Heights. Growing up, I called my parents to their faces, I guess, mommy, papi. Behind their backs, my brother and my sister just referred to them as M and D. My parents are two fairly, you know, kind of different folks. Like my mother is expressive and loud. My father is quiet and reserved. One of the things that was interesting that I don't think I ever noticed when I was growing up, but certainly as I've gotten older, was um, there's a mutual dependency that they have, right? And, and a lot of that makes sense, right? Like, you know, they're immigrants in a new country. Sometimes you learn to, to think that the only people you can depend on is each other. And yet, I think what's been difficult is, so in many ways, they've sacrificed a lot personally for each other to raise a family, to do things. And as some of those, the need for those sacrifices has lessened, i.e. like as we've left, as we've grown and have our own lives and stuff, most parents, I think, were led to believe like, will then become, have more time for themselves. They still very much have this, without judgment, I would say a little bit of an imbalance, right, of a power imbalance, where they will continue to still sacrifice for each other and not do things for themselves, right? And also it means that they won't also take risks, you know, English is not their first language. And although they've been here for 30 plus whatever years, I mean, I think they, they're very cautious about the spaces they enter into. And so um, trying to get them to do different things and also trying to understand that sometimes one of them might not be willing to do it, but but you should you know, you know still do it has been an, an issue and a difficulty, right? And, and even like the simplest things, it might be, hey, ma, why don't you, you know, come and visit me? Well, no, your father doesn't want to go out today. Well, that's great, but, but can't you just like, you know, can I just pick you up and have dinner with, oh, you know, your, your father doesn't want to go out and eat. Well, I'll just take you out. We'll go out. Or even to my dad, hey, dad, let's, let's go out and let's just like, you know, watch a ball game or something. Oh, no. Well, your mother doesn't want to go out today. I remember one time even asking my mother, hey, why don't you stay a couple of days with us? You know, take a little break from each other or just, you know, she wanted to go and go shopping. My dad, you know, like a lot of men, I guess, doesn't like to go shopping. Right. So but she loves to go window shopping. Or, what would your father eat? Right. Like, he's, you know, I mean, he's a grown man of 70 plus years. I'm assuming at some point he knew how to fix a, fix a sandwich. I think you'll be fine. Part of it, like, I think as we get older with our own parents, we and especially if we also are raising children, you get this almost idea that we want to see the people that we love reach their potential. And now people are like, oh, live your best life or, or reach, you know, or, or be your best. And I think sometimes I will look at my parents and we'll be, again, the same way, right? We want them to to do things and experience things. And yeah, maybe they didn't do certain things when they were younger because of your kids. Um, part of it is almost, you know, kind of convincing them that like, you don't have to do that anymore, right? You, you can actually begin to live your own life as opposed to live it for somebody else. The thing about growing up and seeing two people who clearly love each other, right? But who, and clearly who are actively sacrificing things for each other, even when they don't want to sacrifice for each other, is I think I grew up with this sense of 
the sacrifices that you make for your marriage and your partners and the sacrifices you don't. Me and my wife are both first generation, you know, first generation college graduates. My, my wife is Puerto Rican from the South Bronx. I'm Dominican from Washington Heights. I think one of the things that we're, we're aligned on is that we never want to have the other person feel limited. Sometimes that's translated into, you know, spending time apart, right, from each other because our career might take us on a particular assignment or a particular living arrangement. And so, but that was a kind of a foreign concept, right, for my parents, right? Like, because in some ways, like, they're much of the belief, their belief is like, you know, the marriage is one unit. You keep the one unit together and distance, um, Distance can cause a whole bunch of complications. When they first got married, you know, my, my father came here and then you know, it wasn't about a year and a half until my mother joined him back here. And so I was like, you guys were separated, right? Like, and I don't think they ever thought about that as a choice. I think they just thought about that as like, those were the circumstances. And when I really think about it, and, and I'm, I'm just not kind of in talking about this now, it actually makes, I guess, a lot of sense is that my parents, I think, are sometimes afraid of growing. Right? Because I think sometimes when you people grow, they grow apart. Look, I've got one kid. My parents have three. Right? My dad he had three kids by the time he was 25. I don't think I can still tie my shoelace when I was 25. If I think about all like the stresses and anxieties that they had, they left the country in terms of DR soon after you know the 1965 uh, invasion of American troops. You know, like they, they took a whole bunch of chances and risks and leaps and courages, right? I mean, there's a bunch of things that they did. And there's a bunch of stuff that they did even with us that years later, I would know like they were scared about doing. So if they were here, I would say that they are so courageous. And that part of this getting them to like take more risks or whatever is to not have them to do something different, but to actually build on those times in their lives. And they have done that. All right, so I completely get where Elbert is coming from. I really, truly do. Because my parents were also very hard workers who just worked, went to church, came home. Worked, went to church, came home. For years and years and years. And as an adult who works, sometimes goes to church, and is very much focused on her family... I've created other opportunities to do other things that really enrich my life. They didn't have those same opportunities. So I get that. But at the same time, as has happened throughout many conversations on the show, I wonder if first gens have the right to pressure our parents into wanting things that we want for them. Right? Like, do we have that right? to want something for them more than they actually want it for themselves. So to help us figure it out, I did what I always do. I called in an expert. My name is Luis Resendez. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm owner of Vita Emotional Wellness. We're a small group psychotherapy practice based in Riverside, California. I've been practicing for 13 years and my specialties include men's mental health issues and trauma. And I really love what I do. It's very fulfilling work, challenging at times, but nevertheless, very rewarding. As you listened, what did you hear in Albert's story? Many things, you know, my experiences as a therapist and even just being a Latino male myself and 
you know, the dynamics in a relationship between parents, um, the husband, wife, mother, father. He mentioned both of them sacrificing for the family. That just seems to be a common thread in Latino Latinx families. It's just, you know, mom, dad, work, do this, do that, just to give, give, give. But at the end of the day, you know, when in his case, he grew up, moved out and, you know, is starting a family of his own. So now what? We were just used to sacrificing so much. So now we're sacrificing for each other. The other thing that, you know, stood out was they left their native country after, you know, something potentially traumatic had happened. So just fleeing, escaping from that security and safety. I I would guess that his parents probably had it in the forefront of their minds is that, you know what, we are going to leave to, you know, establish a better life for ourselves and our children somewhere down the line. So we're going to make the sacrifice, but we have to uproot and start somewhere fresh. That can be very anxiety inducing just the word sacrifice and, you know, what could be lost in in that sacrifice in terms, especially of just a relationship with the children, a relationship with each other as a husband and wife. So one of the things that really caught my attention was how much insight he seemed to have, or at least he thought he had into his parents' relationship. Basically, Elbert describes their relationship as codependence. And in his eyes, that's negative. I I don't know if I would label it um, necessarily codependence. Uh, Murray Bowen, he is a renowned, was a renowned psychiatrist in the mental health field, uh, used this term called undifferentiated ego mass. That's basically where, you know, just a family, they're stuck together emotionally. You know, one thing affects one person in the family, it affects all of us. So they're kind of like, you know, not to use poor terminology, but just just a blob, a mass of, of identity. <laughs> and I think that, you know, just with leaving their country and again, being really diligent and making sure that they provided for their children, it kind of by default put them in a place where they had to depend on each other. But just a lot of the boundaries kind of get blurred together. And then before you know it, the unit functions as one. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but when there has to come a separation of identities and personal fulfillments being met, that seldom happens. Just because, again, we function as one, we stick together as one, and when we have to separate, that's a little odd and strange and even uncomfortable for some folks. So that and then another thing he had mentioned, too, uh, was, you know, just his belief that they have a fear of of growing. And I remember a line from this Fleetwood Mac song. I'm afraid of changing because I built my life around you. Again, they were, when they had moved here, when they were living together, starting their family, everything was about them, the children, and also you, my spouse. So they were pretty much the center of each other's universe. But, you know, when things changed, the kids moved on and so forth, like, oh my God, I have to grow, I have to change, but I built my whole life around you and the kids. And now what? And that can be very anxiety inducing. But also, it is perfectly okay to be happy with your life as it is. Yes. Right? So that was the thing that I, as I listened, I thought, but but if they're happy with their life the way they have it, that's a good thing. And so to me, as I listened, as both someone who grew up with immigrant parents and someone who has been married and has been in in that dynamic, I thought, but wait a second. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for them. So please, Luis, talk to us about 
this gap in perception between how he wants to have his marriage and his marriage dynamics and how he's perceiving his parents and their marriage dynamics. I think at the end of the day, it all ties into assimilation and expectations in, in, in a quote unquote traditional sense mm. uh, in American culture, you know, with the family is that, OK, we raise the children, they go off and do their own thing. They live their own lives and so forth. Mm -hmm. But with the children also, you know, sometimes thinking actually that, OK, I'm a part of my family, but I'm going to live my life a little differently. I'm not going to do what mom and dad did. I kind of want to have my relationship. I want to run my family. I want to run my ship, not so many words, <laughs> a completely different way. But, you know, you just think, again, of media, social media, TV, movies, and so forth, and assimilation, all of that kind of molding these perceptions. And I think with the younger generations is that when they look at these things uh, through these lenses, they kind of feel maybe not a necessity, but just some idea that, okay, I have to bestow these expectations upon other people, maybe my own children, but maybe even my parents. So my wife and I go out, we do things. She hangs out with her friends. I hang out with my friends. But hey, you know what? I think my mom and dad need to also do that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the concern with that could be with, you know, especially older adults, you know, parents, is that if they hear things like that, they could misinterpret it as you're telling me how to live my life. And of course, you know, it can come from a place of good intentions from their son or daughter that, you know, I just want you to have fun and enjoy, especially, you know, retirement years and things like that. But it could still be misinterpreted as you're trying to tell me what to do. Thanks, but no thanks. And that can, you know, create a little bit of, of tension if left unchecked. I think at the end of the day, if whatever works for them, works for them. If they're happy, let them do their thing and focus on you. Your life, your fulfillment, raising your children, you know, if you bring any children into the world. And just remember that even though you are connected to your parents, you still have your identity of who you are. They have their identity. So that's kind of taking that blob I mentioned earlier and just mm -hmm. breaking it apart and everybody go off and do their own thing. Yeah. Be your own blob. Come on. Be your own blob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. But you made a really good point about uh, focusing on your needs and the more that I listened to Albert, the more I thought, oh, you want more of your mom and dad. And when one of them says no because of the other one, you're feeling a little bit left out or you're feeling like you're not getting the fullness of your mom and dad the way you want it. And so to me, that felt more like how does Albert express to their parents how much he wants to hang out with them, go to dinner with them without making it about his perceived codependency that they have on one another. Like, how do we express that to our parents as adults to be like, but I just want to hang with you, mom. Yeah. So I think it's sticking with facts. The facts are that, you know, he doesn't live with his parents anymore. He's established his own life with his own wife. But nevertheless, there is that yearning for interaction with parents and family. So I think if he approaches it with just facts and that, yeah, you know, I'm doing my own thing. You're all doing your own thing. And it would be nice to see you, to hang out, to spend time, go to dinner. You know, if you want to come over and visit, I'll mm -hmm. prepare dinner. And, you know, of course, he could interject a little bit of his emotions, but maybe more in the sense that I really miss you too. I hardly see you all. I'm always busy. There's a lot going on. And that makes me miss you more. You know, just whatever it is. But to personalize it, bringing back to nevertheless, I still want to nourish my connection with you all because that connection lasts for a lifetime. That way, when they hear it, too, it kind of even gives them more 
reason in a non-guilty way or guilt-tripping way in that, yeah, you know what? We don't see him. He is busy. He's got a lot going on. Maybe we should do on our part what we need to do to continue to nourish this relationship. So maybe a little bit of vulnerability about you're missing them. And that's that's legit and cool. And that's a good enough reason for them to hang. Yes. Um, is there anything, Luis, that I didn't ask you about that you see as being relevant or key or something that we should cover as we talk about that separation between the blob that was our family and us as individual little blobs going out into the world and blobbing happily? I think, you know, we just have to be aware that we live in a world that's, it seems to be changing by the hour. Media, whether it be social media, TV, movies, is definitely shaping our perceptions of our identities, our place in the world, but even to our families, how we run our own families, how we connect our families. I think, especially too in in immigrant communities, is that we are mindful, we are careful that as the generations pass and there's more assimilation into mainstream culture, that we still, you know, hold on to these identifiers of our cultural backgrounds, and especially, you know, Latino, Latinx families, is that family is is a really big thing. Mm. So even though the children, they may live in a different part of the country or something like that, still fostering that connection with their parents. Let's use some of that same technology that's kept us apart to our advantage. Let's do some video calls. Let's do some, you know, instant messaging through Instagram or whatever it is. But let's keep that connection going in that as our parents get older, realistically, we know that we're not going to have them forever. At some point, they leave. It's just part of life. At least, you know, the children can always look back in that, yeah, I got married, started my own family, moved away. I was far apart from my mom and dad, but we still kept in touch, visited each other when we could. And you know what? We made the most of it. And, you know, looking at that with a sense of pride and perhaps one way or another, um, transmitting that value of close family connections to any of their own children who they decide to maybe bring in the world someday. Agreed. Agreed. Ah, Luis, you're a gem. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here. Okay, here's what we learned from Luis. Let them do their thing. Just like you, your parents have their own identities separate from the family unit. You know, the blob. Respect their right to make their own choices and live their lives as they see fit. Beware of media influences. Consider how the media shapes your perception and your expectations of what family looks like. Let your values, not streaming or social media platforms, guide you instead. And remember, focus on you. Avoid giving unsolicited advice to others and instead open up about yourself, your emotions, your needs, and your desire to nurture your relationship as a family. Thank you for listening and sharing us. How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything is an original production of LWC Studios. Virginia Lora is our show's producer. Kojin Tashiro is our mixer. Elizabeth Nakano mixed this episode. Manuela Bedoya is our marketing lead. And Juleka Lantigua is the creator and host. I'm senior editor Monica Lopez. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at Talk to Mommy Papi. Bye, everybody. Same place next week. <laughs>